Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. In this episode, and over the next several weeks, we're going to explore a critical topic in our local communities, the affordable housing crisis. Many in our communities in Northeast Wisconsin would call this the unaffordable crisis. An increasing number of families are in desperate search for an affordable, safe home to buy or rent or to prevent eviction from their current home. It's estimated that one of every three households in our region struggles to afford basic needs like shelter, food, technology, transportation, and health care. Even when residents have an income from their job, it's just not enough to meet the rising costs of mortgages and rents to help them stay in or find new housing. On top of that, many local businesses are having a hard time finding workers. We're hearing a lot about this, especially when potential employees can't find a decent place to live. You know, Amy, in my role as a community engagement manager with the foundation, I talk frequently with our nonprofit partners, and I've been hearing from several of the homeless and warming center directors that they're seeing a disturbingly high number of calls from people who have nowhere to sleep that night. And it's really heartbreaking for their staff to have to turn more people away than usual. This is a crisis that has so many different moving parts, and it's not an easy problem to sum up in one half-hour recording. That's why we're going to spend quite a few podcast episodes, as many as it takes, to help our listeners understand the broad scope of the issues so many are facing here in the Fox Valley. Just some of the topics we're going to cover in the weeks ahead include skyrocketing rents and building costs, eviction prevention, new residents, including people resettling in our area from Afghanistan who need homes, barriers to affordable housing, jobs that aren't being filled, and more. All of these things impact every one of us. Here are some statistics. The cost of rent in Brown and Outagamie counties increased more than 50% since 2000, while median household income rose about 30%. In Brown, Outagamie, and Winnebago counties, almost 33,000 renting households, nearly four out of every 10 renters, spend more than 30% of their monthly income on housing. These numbers come from something called the 2020 ALICE Report for Wisconsin. ALICE is an acronym for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed, a.k.a. the Working Poor. The United Way puts out this report that helps us define and understand the struggles of households that earn above the federal poverty level, but not enough to afford basic necessities. In a recent collaboration called the New News Lab, New stands for Northeast Wisconsin, local journalists from the Appleton Post-Crescent and the Green Bay Press-Gazette interviewed people with first-hand experience to reveal how this housing shortage became a crisis, what will it take to resolve it, and how it impacts the people who live through it every day. We're going to hear from them about a series of reports called Unaffordable Housing, which we'll link up in our program notes today, along with the Alice Report. We begin, as we always do, with a story— Amber is a mom who works hard to provide for her daughter, but even with a job, she found herself without a home and without much hope of finding a place she could afford on her budget. In her words, this could happen to anyone. (music) 
the mental part of it is so hard because you feel like a failure. You're stressed out. You can't show that you're stressed out because there are little eyes watching every move I make and every reaction I have. My name is Amber Edwards. I am 39 years old. I have a daughter who's six. There was kind of a perfect storm of bad circumstances for us. Four years ago, the duplex that we were renting um, was being sold. We were being managed by a property management company and our landlord had moved out of state and he opted to sell the property. So we were given 60 days to try to find a place. So it became a mad scramble to try to figure out what to do. And ultimately we ran out of time. We had some issues with one of our vehicles. One of my employers went on vacation and forgot to do payroll. So I missed an entire pay period waiting for them to get back. Um, it was just a lot of things that the timing mattered and it mattered a lot. And we couldn't find anywhere. We couldn't find anywhere that was, you know, within our budget, within our time frame, And we simply ran out of options. My daughter's dad ended up at St. John's. And I started couch surfing. I was staying with friends with my daughter. Um, I ended up staying with a former coworker's mom, like literally anywhere that I could that would allow me access to my child's daycare so that I could continue to work and also figure out what my next move was going to be because working nights and weekends, homeless was not working. I had applied for housing, um, but of course there's a waiting list. So in the meantime, they did provide me with like the list of places that housing was accepted. And I called, I think I called every single number in that packet, you know, trying to say, okay, well, you know, if we have to, we can all fit into one bedroom. That's not a problem. Well, we couldn't settle for a one bedroom. We were required to be looking for a two bedroom because of our family composition. We were trying to keep our family together. And by the time we ran out of options and her dad went to the shelter and I had to rework my all of my case files to remove him from the household, it was essentially trying to dance the line of every rule and every requirement for every agency that was trying to assist us. The mental part of it is taxing in ways that you can't explain to a person that's never dealt with it. To be told time and time again that, that you know, we missed some deadline or we failed at some requirement or there was, you know, something that was just outside our, our budget. There are just so many different hurdles that keep this system broken. And this is a very real problem. And I think that the reason that we have so many misconceptions are because people just simply don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. It feels really terrible to live a life of comfort and stability and to know that there are people very near your living area, people, families that your child may attend school with who are food insecure who may not have a roof over their head that night, who may be sleeping in their cars. And those kids aren't going to talk about that at school because they don't want to be singled out. My personal experience, of course, I can't speak for everyone, but my personal experience has been, well, you should have just got a better job, you know, or 
well, you should have just, you know, tried harder. You should have applied for more places. I filled out over 200 applications when I was homeless for apartments and houses and duplexes. Some of them came with deposits. Some were non-refundable deposits. And a lot of those were factored into my budget in terms of how many I could apply for a week and how long I had to wait for that deposit to return if I wasn't accepted. So there are a lot of moving parts to it. And in my experience, a lot of people that are struggling with housing insecurity, it's not because they're unemployed. It's because they're underemployed or underpaid, you know, a lot of employers, especially since the pandemic, like really cushy benefits packages with great insurance is just not always an option for everyone. But keeping an employee under that full-time hour mark to avoid offering that benefits package is part of the housing problem. Having large developers come and buy big plots of land for big, huge apartment buildings that are brand new is beautiful and it's a great idea, but at $1,400 a month for a two bedroom apartment, that's not affordable for the majority. There are so many layers to this problem. You know, you have people that are willing to live with mold problems, with rodent infestations, with, you know, out of date electrical or fire hazards because they just cannot afford to lose that place because they know they won't find another one at that price point or in that location. When things were really kind of bottom of the barrel for me, I felt really, really let down by this community. You know, it just felt hopeless. It just felt like no matter how many papers I had to sign, no matter how many people I called and charmed and convinced and had conversations with, that I was never going to be able to achieve what I felt should have been really normal, just a two-bedroom apartment for my daughter and myself to be able to come home to at the end of the day. It didn't seem like it would be that hard. I was constantly surprised by the judgment, by the judgment of, of some of the other parents that I knew, that knew what I was experiencing. I was surprised, especially by the judgment of some of my coworkers and employers because I was on welfare. I had become a welfare mom. So I was really shocked by that. Every step of the way, every mistake that I made, I will own 100%, but I absolutely will not bear shame. Because if this can happen to my family, it can happen to anyone's. Well, we want you to know that Amber has now come full circle and has a job helping people struggling through this journey. We'll meet up with Amber again in future podcast episodes. Amy, Amber's story is a stark reminder that skyrocketing housing and rent is just too steep for many to afford. And this crisis has so many angles. It does, Carolyn. We mentioned earlier in the program about a series of reports done by local and state newsrooms working together to help us get a grasp of just how huge this issue is. I sat down with two journalists who interviewed Amber and other people impacted in different ways by the affordable housing crisis in Northeast Wisconsin. Here's what they had to say. 
I am Jeff Bollier. I am a regional business reporter with the Green Bay Press Gazette. We felt housing was important to cover as an issue and specifically the need for so many more units of affordable housing. We decided to cover this issue of affordable housing because it is just so prevalent right now. My name is Natalie Brophy. I am a regional business reporter with the Post Crescent newspaper and USA Today Network Wisconsin. We we don't think about the need in our specific community when maybe we report that Wisconsin needs almost 120,000 rental units affordable for extremely low income earners. Or or we I think tend to think well maybe that is not us. Um, you know, that maybe that is not my family or my household. So, uh, you know, I have uh, the house that I've had for a long time and don't need to worry about it. But these are people's lives. And I think that sometimes the statistics and the numbers get so huge and get so out of proportion from what we can conceptualize that uh, that it does get difficult to digest. I think if this isn't something that you have ever experienced yourself, if you've never been in a kind of situation where you are in need of housing and you can't find it, you can't find housing that is affordable to you, it's hard to understand. It's hard to put yourself in in someone's shoes. Um, It's kind of an othering experience if you've never been through it yourself. I think othering means that... um, you know, this group of people are, are are so different from me, so unlike me. They're not possibly a person that I would know or someone that, you know, I would ever come across in my daily life. But they are people that you probably um, will that you've come across at work, at the grocery store, um, out and about. And at the end of the day, I don't think that we're all that different. Um, we all deserve homes to live in and be able to feel safe in our home. Um, And I think if that's the message that people take away from this reporting, it could be easier for them to understand the issue. Because at the end of the day, everyone's looking for the same thing. It is so very important to put a face to the statistics and to the data. It was at the absolute core of the story that we sought out, identified, and gave voice to the people and families who this is impacting and who are living through this, who are sleeping in their cars, who are going to hotels, uh, you know, to, because there's no place that they can rent, you know, to really kind of let them use their voice, to give their voice a larger platform. And what we found time and time again was that these are hardworking folks. These are hardworking families who just want to get by and and want it recognized that they are struggling through no fault of their own. This has opened my eyes to the struggles that people go through. It has made me more educated on the issue and probably changed my attitudes toward it a bit as well, just from being educated and getting to talk to the families that we did. Some of them talked about some pretty difficult challenges that they face, and it's not easy to trust a complete stranger to tell their story. Um, And I am very appreciative that they gave us the opportunity. In Amber Edwards' case, we identified or got connected with Amber very early on. For the most part, it was just, tell tell us your story. And what we found with Amber was um, that she had lived the entire experience of the affordable housing crisis. Um, 
Amber really brought that home for us. And that message that she had was the same from so many other people that we spoke with. Just in spite of everything they tried and all of the extensive hard work they put in, that they were still struggling and couldn't make ends meet. Not struggling to make ends meet, could not make ends meet. Um, And it was just heartbreaking. Yeah, I hope people who are reading our stories can see past the politics of the issue and just see the people behind the issue, the everyday people that are struggling, that need help, that want to um, just support themselves and their families. I hope that our series helped, you know, show people, show our readers the everyday Wisconsinites behind the issue. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region is a great resource for making a local impact while simplifying your charitable giving through a tax-deductible charitable fund. Perhaps you're passionate about certain organizations or want to support causes such as education or pets at the animal shelter, or you're interested in addressing the greatest needs of the community. When you partner with us, we'll share our local knowledge so that you can make a difference today and always. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org. Before the break, we talked about some challenges facing local journalism, not only in Northeast Wisconsin, but also in every community. The Microsoft Corporation is calling on communities like ours to do something about this, to strengthen our communities by supporting local journalism. In the spring of this year, Microsoft selected Northeast Wisconsin as its fifth local news pilot in the United States as part of its journalism initiative, donating a total of $300,000 to the Northeast Wisconsin Journalism Initiative Fund, established within the Greater Green Bay Community Foundation in partnership with the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. It's called the New News Lab, and we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about what this initiative is all about and how local newsrooms in our area are coming together to make this happen. Joining me to talk about this is Jim Fitzhenry. He is the executive editor of the USA Today Network in central Wisconsin. Hello, Jim. Hi. You oversee 10 newspapers in our area, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, uh, including the Post-Crescent in Appleton and the Green Bay Press-Gazette, which are two members of the new News Lab. Well, that's fantastic. And also joining us today is Megan Maholland. She is the Director of Marketing and Communications here at the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. Hello, Megan. Hello, Amy. Well, I appreciate both of you for being here and having this discussion. We want to learn more about what this new news lab is, because I have a feeling a lot of people haven't heard about this, and uh, we want to talk about why this is important for Northeast Wisconsin. Jim, why don't we start with you? Uh, The new news lab partners collaborate to identify and fill information gaps to help residents explore ways to improve their communities and lives and strengthen democracy. This region was selected in part because of the strong history of impact and collaboration that the two community foundations, so us and the Green Bay Foundation, local media and Town tech partnership with the Green Bay Packers and Microsoft. So there's already been a history of all of those different agencies and organizations and news outlets working together. 
And so as a three-year pilot, um, the community foundations are really encouraging other organizations, businesses, and individuals to help us support it. I mean, Microsoft really gave us the startup money or the seed money, and they're hoping that there'll be some longevity with this and that others will step in to support. Yeah, one of the, the really important things, too, that's great about this collaboration, and one of the questions I got from a reader was, is Microsoft telling you what stories to cover? And what's really important for people to know as well is that both Microsoft and the foundations have nothing to do with the topics that we do, with any of our news gathering uh, that's all done independently. And I think people need to understand that there's nothing there that the foundations or Microsoft are telling us what to cover. Uh, when you look at affordable housing and the labor market, so we've got issues here that are really important and significant, and people really do want to dig into them. They want to understand them. They want to be able to uh, discuss them. And so we've been able to take news organizations that historically have been very competitive and we've made it collaborative and we've been able to combine together and use our resources to spread out the information across a wider area. There's been a lot of people working on issues about affordable housing in a lot of community and nonprofit organizations, but maybe that knowledge wasn't out there in the wider community. And because of this collaboration, we're able to get it in front of more people in a lot of different ways, whether it's on public radio, whether it's distributed through Wisconsin Watch, whether it's shared in the, the print newspapers uh, in our region, it's able to get out there and to reach more people and to really fill in the gaps that people have in their knowledge and push out good, independent, fact-based information. And the reason why the community foundations join together with Microsoft and again with these news media outlets is, you know, it's it's one thing to share the stories from the executive directors from the nonprofits, but we really need to hear the voices of those who have been impacted. It's very much like the podcast that you're listening to right now. And with this partnership, everyone is able to go out and spend the time and the quality and dig up the data and talk to different people to get the real stories about what is going on in the community and not just a hearsay or a wide swath expectation or assumption of what's going on. They can actually get the facts and the information and learn everything basically on the streets or in the houses or you know from the people that are really living it. The reporting that we've done has continued we're doing a series called Help Wanted, looking at the uh, labor force issues in Northeast Wisconsin. And again, like affordable housing, a really complex issue. It, it's just a showing of, in a very short period of time, how these news partners have come together. And with the support of the foundations and Microsoft, we're able to do some very high quality local journalism that really helps people understand more about their communities, about their world, and how people can get involved and make a difference in that. This has been an opportunity to lift up local media and be able to share those stories that truly impact you know, the community. And this really is the mission of our community foundations. And so the news media is helping us carry through that mission by sharing these stories. Excellent. Well, Jim Fitzhenry and Megan Mulholland, thank you both for joining us. We will be right back. 
We're wrapping up today's episode of Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. Carolyn, we have so much more to report on the affordable housing crisis in our area. Yes, and we're going to do that over the next several episodes. You know, we are so thankful for the work that our journalism partners over at the New News Lab are doing to bring these issues to the forefront of our conversation so that you, our listeners, can hear about them from the voices of people who live with this reality every day. Thank you for listening, and please consider what you've heard here today and how you might get involved. If you or someone you know is at risk of homelessness, you can dial 211 and get connected to local resources that can provide immediate help. If you'd like to volunteer or financially support programs or nonprofits who are working on this crisis and helping people at risk, please check out our program notes for more information. You can subscribe to this podcast and get all of our episodes delivered to you on demand. Just go to our website, cffoxvalley.org, look for the podcast link on our homepage, click on Podcasts, and get Voices from the Valley delivered to your computer or smart device. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region.